0: Amen. What a wonderful day to be in the Lord's house. Kids on the Rock, you guys can go. Miss Pam's going to meet you right at that back door right there. And Today we come to the end of the book of Galatians. If you're visiting with us, we're glad that you're here. You're going to get the last sermon in six months worth of going through the book of Galatians. And so after... I don't know, after, uh, we started in March, so after six months of study in the book of Galatians, I hope you have a fuller understanding of it. Um, but just in case, if you haven't been here for some of the sermons or if you're visiting with us, we're going to summarize the whole book before we read this last section. So Paul and Barnabas planted these churches in Galatia in Acts chapter 13 and 14. We went through the whole book of Acts before we started the book of Galatians. And then after Paul and Barnabas planted these churches and departed from the region, false teachers came in distorting the gospel. These these teachers were Jewish teachers, but they claimed to follow Jesus. uh, We've been calling them Judaizers because they were trying to convince the churches in Galatia, the Gentiles there in Galatia, that faith in the gospel was not enough for them to be right with God, to be part of the covenant of Abraham, they said, "Yes, you must trust in Jesus. You must trust in the gospel. You must put your faith in Christ. He is the Jewish Messiah. But you also have to be circumcised in order to be part of the covenant of Abraham. You have to be circumcised in order to be saved." This is the same issue that we saw in Acts chapter fifteen in the Jerusalem Church at the Jerusalem Council. They came and they said to the the elders at the Jerusalem Church, they said unless these gentiles are circumcised they can't be saved. Now they said you must trust in Jesus. Make sure you understand that. But they were adding something else to the gospel. So all through the letter of Galatians, Paul has been refuting this false teaching. He's shown that the gospel alone saves sinners. Salvation is by grace alone, Through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And there's nothing that anyone can add to the gospel. In fact, Paul said in Galatians to add to the gospel is to destroy the gospel. He told the Gentiles that faith in Christ alone, by that faith, by the gospel, by Jesus Christ, you are Abraham's offspring. He said that in Galatians chapter 3. You are the heirs of God's promise to him. Through faith in the gospel alone, sinners are made righteous before God. And he also showed us that the one who is saved by faith in Jesus is also transformed by the Spirit of God. He said the Spirit produces this fruit in the the believer's life. In in Galatians chapter 5, we went through the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. So those who are born again, it's not just a stamp of approval now you are righteous. It's also a transformation of heart, a transformation of life. Those who are born again, now he said they fulfill the law's intent by the power of the Spirit. And they do so from a new heart living out who Christ has made them to be. They have a heart now that loves God's law and desires to follow Christ, desires to obey God, not in order to gain righteousness. We've already been made righteous in Jesus, but because that is who we are, a new creation. And he he pointed out how this looks in the body of Christ because we serve one another through love. He said earlier, circumcision or uncircumcision means nothing, he said, but serving one another through love. And in chapter 6, when we started chapter 6, he showed us what this life in the Spirit looks like in the body of Christ. He said, believers bear one another's burdens. They don't bite and devour one another. Right before this section, he says, we do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. And we do so because the Spirit is producing his fruit in the lives of those who have been born again. So as we enter into this section, this last section of Galatians, it's basically the conclusion of the whole book. He's not going to introduce any new things here. He's going to summarize what he has said all throughout the book of Galatians. So let's read verses 11 through 18 in chapter 6, which will conclude our study in the book of Galatians. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation." And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do love you and we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this study in the book of Galatians and all that you have been bringing out week after week after week. God, we pray today that your spirit would come and that you would apply these truths to our heart, that you would illuminate our minds and our hearts to see what your word says and that we would hear your voice, not mine. God, we pray that you would speak what you would have us to hear and that we would be changed by your word. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. At the beginning of the section, Paul begins by drawing attention to what he's going to say. So in verse 11, he says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Now, like many people in the ancient world, Paul used a scribe who would write what he dictated. It was called an amanuensis. And he would say these, he would dictate and the guy would write it down and they would send the letter. Paul did that just like many people in the ancient world. But here Paul takes the, I was gonna say the pen, but you know what I mean. He doesn't have like an ink pen. It's the quill or whatever he's using. And he writes it in his own hand. Even making mention in the letter of the fact that he's writing in big letters because this letter was probably going to be read aloud to the Galatian churches. So he makes mention of the fact, look at the big letters that I am writing this to you in. Now, there's lots of theories about why he writes big letters. You know, he had problems with his eyes or problems with his hands or something like that. But, but I think he does it in his own hand, and he does it emphasizing the fact that he's writing in big letters to show them how important this final section is, what he's going to say. He's saying, in effect... Pay attention to what I'm about to say. I'm taking up the pen myself to write this myself. I'm writing in big letters. This is what you need to remember. He uses his last few words in this letter to emphasize what really matters. And in this, he summarizes his whole argument and leaves the Galatians with what he wants to stick in their minds and ours as well as readers of this letter. So the first thing he does is he puts the motives of these false teachers on display as he warns us to beware of boasting in the flesh. He says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you or compel you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. When Paul talks about boasting, he's not just talking about prideful bragging, although that's certainly included. He means that this is what we take our confidence in. This is what we glory in. This is what we put our confidence in. This is, this is what we speak of when we think of what makes us good, what makes us right, what we're doing well, the, the, what we put our stock in. And Paul tells the Galatians, these guys don't care about you. They don't care about your relationship with God or or that you're right with God or how you walk in God. They just want you as another notch in their belt. They want to make a good showing in the flesh and boast in your flesh by having you circumcised. They want to report back to the Jews in Galatia saying, look how many Galatian Gentiles that we got circumcised. Paul says that their boast, their glory, is is in their service. It's in their religious works. It's in what they're trying to accomplish. Paul says they put their confidence in what they're doing, in what they can get you to do, in their religious acts, in their outward accomplishments. That's their boast. That's where they find their identity. That's what they put their hope in. They're trusting in their religious service. They think that's what really matters. That's where their boasting lies. And since their confidence is all found in self, they also want to protect themselves above all. Verse 12 says that they force you or compel you to be circumcised. And here's the reason. They don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now remember in Acts chapter 13 and 14 The Jews in these cities in Galatia, they ran Paul and Barnabas out of every single city they went to because they were preaching the gospel. In fact, Paul was stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra, which is a city in southern Galatia, because he was preaching the gospel. It's dangerous in this this place to be preaching the true gospel of Christ. So these Judaizers, these false teachers, they were doing what many people do. They were riding the fence. They wanted to protect themselves. They were compromisers. They were compromising the gospel. They were saying, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Yes, he is Lord. Yes, he is risen from the grave. But they added circumcision to the gospel so that they wouldn't have to face the same persecution that Paul had faced. If they held to the gospel by faith alone and no works and said, hey, even circumcision... that that right in the Old Testament that brought you into the covenant of Abraham, said even that, that no longer necessary to be right with God for you Gentiles. If they would have said that, they would have been cut off from their Jewish communities, from their synagogues. They probably would have been beaten, probably would have been executed, just like they tried to do to Paul in Lystra. These boasters in the flesh, they wanted the Jewish Messiah. They wanted Jesus. They wanted to affirm him. They wanted to rejoice in Jesus, to profess Jesus, but they didn't want the consequences of what following Jesus actually means in their lives. It meant persecution. It meant being hated. It meant having to actually deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. They wanted Jesus, the Messiah, but they didn't want their lives to change And they didn't want their religion to change. Those who trust in the flesh, who boast in the flesh, boast in what we can do, trust in what we can do, put confidence in what we are doing or can do. They always compromise the gospel to protect themselves. Always. And and not only that, those who put their confidence in the flesh and what we can do, those who add laws to the gospel and impose them on other people... By definition, they are all hypocrites. It says, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, in verse 13. Scripture makes it abundantly clear, and Paul has made it clear in Galatians. If you add any work or law to the gospel, saying you have to have faith in Jesus, but you also must do this in order to be right with God, then you have become a debtor to the whole law, every single word. To add the smallest thing to the gospel is to add everything to the gospel. That means the standard you must reach if you are boasting in the flesh, put your confidence in the flesh, adding laws to the gospel, the standard you have to reach to be right with God is absolute perfection. You must keep every single iota of every single law. And it's not just, hey, you got to refrain from doing these things. Sinful things. Refrain from breaking these laws. It's not just you have to refrain from doing the bad. You have to do the good perfectly. You have to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, every single moment of every single day, and you have to do it perfectly for the entirety of your life. You can't start today. You can't just say, "Well, I'm turning over a new leaf and I'm going to start tomorrow." And we're no. It has to be from the moment you're born. To the moment you die, otherwise you need a payment for your sin. And so, if you could do that, if anyone could do that, we wouldn't need Jesus. So, Paul says listen, they want to add this one law to you circumcision. They want to add this one thing to you, but they themselves aren't keeping the law to be righteous before God. And that's always the case with those who boast in the flesh they boast and they put their confidence in the laws that they are keeping. When they make a list of things that you have to do in order to be right with God, the things that they're predisposed to doing and keeping always make the list, and the things that they struggle with, they never make the list. They overlook the things that they're not doing. It's the same thing that the Pharisees were doing when Jesus talked to them. So the Judaizers in Galatia, they were self-righteous, They were manipulators, they were compelling others to keep this law, to be circumcised. They were certainly hypocrites because they themselves didn't keep the law. And they were compromisers trying not to offend the world or their religious world so it would bring persecution. Paul's warning the Galatians as he ends this letter, beware of those who boast in the flesh. Beware of those who add law to the gospel. Beware of those who would try to get you to keep laws to be right with God. Beware of those who compromise the truth of the gospel. And today, I mean, realistically, in 2023 in Mulvane, Kansas, you're probably not going to run into anybody that's going to say, hey, you've got to get circumcised in order to be saved. You're probably not going to run into anybody that's going to try to make you adhere to the food laws or to the ceremonial laws in the Old Testament. But the greatest false teacher like this, the greatest boaster in the flesh that you're going to face today is your own heart. Your heart, our hearts, tempt us to find our identity, our worth, our value, our righteousness in doing good things, in doing external things. It's a consistent temptation. It's our bent. Our hearts make excuses and justify our own sins, saying, but oh, look how good you're doing and everything else. That other stuff doesn't matter. Nobody's perfect. Our hearts are... They tempt us to compromise the truth so so that we don't have to face suffering in this life. So we don't have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. Our own hearts are the biggest temptation, the biggest false teachers that we will face, tempting us to see good, see our righteousness in the good that we do. But on the other hand, they also tempt us to, to be in despair when we don't perform the way that we know we should. We, we start to think, well, God doesn't love me like he, he, he once did, or God doesn't approve of me or accept me anymore because I've done this. That is law. That's not gospel. We are either 100% righteous in Christ or we're 0% righteous outside of Christ. There is no middle ground. Now, we grow in righteousness. If you're born again, you have the Spirit. You're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. You're growing in holiness. That is common and, and uh, expected. in everyone who's born again, it's what God does in you. But that's not what makes your standing perfect before God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, beware of glorying, trusting, or putting your confidence in anything that you're doing externally. That's not where your hope is found. That's not where your identity is found. You've received perfect standing with God by faith in the gospel alone, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing you can do to add to it. There's nothing you can do to take away from it. These guys boasted in the flesh. They gloried in external things. They put their confidence in their religious works. Paul, on the other hand, boasted in something completely different. He boasts in the message of the cross. Verse 14, he said, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul put all of his confidence, all of his trust, all of his boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ. The only work that he would boast in is what Jesus accomplished on the cross in his death and resurrection. To the first century people in the Roman Empire, the cross wasn't anything beautiful. It wasn't anything to boast in. It was disgusting. It was offensive. You didn't talk about it in polite company. It was the most humiliating form of execution that mankind had ever devised in the ancient world. And even today, the cross is still offensive and repugnant to the self-righteous. The cross of Jesus declares to us that we're sinners, that we're under the curse of God's law. The punishment Jesus endured, taking the wrath of God on the cross, is what we are owed. The cross shows us who we are. We're wicked sinners, deserving of execution, deserving of being cut off from God for all eternity, having no righteousness of our own, helpless to redeem ourselves, helpless to fix this situation we're in and in need of someone on the outside to rescue us. Because of our sin, we deserve death. We deserve God's wrath. But at the cross, a substitute was given in my place, in your place. The righteous, perfect, eternal Son of God took your place at the cross. He endured the wrath that you are owed, the punishment that you deserve. And by faith, The sinner is united to Christ at the cross so that his death is my death. His death pays for your sin and his righteous life, his perfect, perfect covenant-keeping life is credited to your account. So God the Father looks at you in Christ from the judgment bar of his throne and what he sees is not your sin He sees the righteousness of his own son covering your life. Now the cross tells us, now it tells us because we're in him, the cross tells us who we are in Christ. Now we're declared righteous, justified, perfected, redeemed, adopted into the family of God. Oh, when Paul says, I boast in the cross alone, he means I accept the cross of Christ as my cross I trust in his death as my death. I trust and I boast in the reality that I'm delivered wholly, fully, and completely by nothing else than the work of Jesus Christ. My only righteousness is by grace through faith in Jesus who died for me and rose from the grave. That's what it means to boast in the cross alone. But make sure you understand this. Make sure you notice it. Paul is summarizing the whole teaching of the letter of Galatians. And he doesn't just stop there. You see, the cross, we've learned through this book, it not only declares us perfectly righteous before God, but at the cross, we receive a new life being born of the Spirit. We're transformed. We're changed. We're made new. He said he boasts only in the cross of Jesus Christ and he says, by which, the cross he's talking about, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul is saying he's dead to the world now and the world is dead to him. Paul was transformed by the message of the cross, by Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 9 His values are different. His worldview is different. His whole life is different. The spirit took up residence in Paul and his heart has been made new just like it is with all of those who are in Christ. Paul says, the man who stands before you now is a new creature. That man that that Saul used to be is dead and gone. In chapter two of this book, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. Paul's been made a new creation. The message of the cross transformed him. And now because of the cross, because of that transformation, because of being born again and having a new heart and being filled with the Spirit, Paul sees the pleasures and the philosophies and the things of the world as what they are, dead and dying and hanging on a tree and crucified. He's saying the world and all its shiny trinkets are repugnant to me now. The praise of people that the boasters in the flesh were after. The boasting of outward fleshly religion. It's been condemned. It's been executed to me. And I've been executed to the world. I'm rejected of the world, hated of the world. The world's been crucified to me and I've been crucified to the world. The message of the cross not only deals with our sin... And justifies us before God. It also deals with our hearts. And it makes us new creatures who desire to follow God's law. Who desire to follow Jesus. Who desire to live holy and righteously in this present age. As it says in Titus 2. The cross crucifies us to the world. And the world to us. Listen. No outward work can do that. No religious ceremony can do that. No law keeping can do that, can change you on the inside so that your heart desires to keep God's commands. We can keep God's commands begrudgingly and out of duty. Well, shoot, I got to go do this. I know it's part, but you're not obeying the command if you're keeping it that way. The intent of the law was that we keep it from the heart. Jesus said that if you lust in your heart, you are committing adultery, So it's the heart that has to change. In the Old Testament, God said, I don't desire sacrifice from you. I don't desire your circumcision. I desire your hearts to be circumcised. No outward act can do that. No law-keeping can do that. No religious ceremony can do that. And to drive this point home, Paul says, basically, here is the final word. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what really matters. Here's the summary of the book of Galatians. Here's the point for us, church. The rest of this text, he says, we, we walk as a new creation. He says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That's what counts. What matters is not whether a person's been circumcised or not, he's telling the Galatians. What matters is not your religious observances or your obedience. It can't make you right with God. It can't. What matters is whether or not you've been made a new creation. Whether or not you've been born again by the power of God through the gospel, that's the point of Galatians. We spend so much time trying to work from the outside in. We say, stop doing that, start doing this, and God will accept you. There's a million books and sermons and teachings giving you methods and principles and ways of living in order to find peace and rest for your soul. But you can't be right with God from the outside in. You cannot. You can't turn over a new leaf or start practicing right habits and think that you will be accepted by God through that. You can perform all of the sacred duties that there are. You can pray 20 times a day, be the most religiously devoted person that the world has ever seen. And it is all filthy rags and fleshly sinful works if your heart has not been changed by the gospel. Only the gospel can give you a new heart. Only the gospel can make you right before God. Only the gospel can make you righteous and a new creation. And it's only the gospel that can make you right with God. Only Christ can save us on the inside, change us on the inside. And when Christ saves you, the Spirit of God indwells you. That's what we've been talking about in chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Galatians. The Spirit of God indwells you and you're made new. And it's then, after God forgives your sin in Christ... And transforms you by the Spirit on the inside, it's then that your new life shows on the outside. It's then that you obey God's commands and you serve God and you work for God. Because that is what your new heart longs to do. It's not in order to gain righteousness. You've been given righteousness in Christ. It's because you've been made a new creation. And that's how a new creation lives. That's what he desires. That's what your heart wants more than anything. Is to walk in holiness. That's evidence you've been born again. In Christ you're a new creation. And that is what really matters. Have you been made a new creation on the inside? Until that happens, through the gospel, through faith in Jesus Christ, until that happens, working on the outside is just putting lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig no matter how you dress it up. And Paul is so serious about this. He doesn't just end this letter like he does so many of his others. Grace and mercy be upon you. Peace and mercy be upon you. No, he knows that the Judaizers are there in these churches. He knows that they're they're listening to this letter being read. He knows that some of the Galatians may have been drawn away to think that their works are adding to the gospel. So he says, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. He makes it clear that there isn't any peace or mercy for anyone outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter how religious you are. So Paul says, for all those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. Now, the rule here, or standard, some of your translations say, the rule by which we walk, the standard by which we walk, is what he just said, the new creation. He said, circumcision or uncircumcision counts for nothing, but a new creation, and as for all who walk by this standard, by this rule, peace and mercy be upon you. We live from a new heart, indwelled with the Spirit, trusting in the gospel alone. Not depending on any of our works, any of our ritual, any of our goodness, any of our religion. Only the cross of Jesus Christ. But what does it mean to walk by this rule? Walk by this standard, the new creation? We find our answer in the word that Paul uses. Now it's translated walk in the ESV, which is on the screen. But here it's not the the usual word for walk. But it is a word that you've heard before. It's the exact same word Paul used in chapter 5, verse 25, when he said, keep in step. Keep in step with the Spirit. That's the same thing Paul means here. Paul's not introducing a new concept that we have to figure out what he means by in this. He's restating what he said over and over and over and over again in this letter. We are keeping in step with the new creation, walking by the standard of this new creation, keeping in step with the new creation as we depend upon the spirit, as we keep in step with what the spirit is doing, depending on him, following him. That is our walk. He's not introducing a new thing. He's showing us that this is what I've been talking about this whole time. That's our walk. That's our whole identity. It's found in Christ and nothing else. Walking in the Spirit, who he has made us to be, the fruit of the Spirit. Christianity is not about being a nice person. It's not about trying harder, doing better. It's not about being more religious, doing more religious works. It's about being made a new creature in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a life of keeping in step With that new creation, keeping in step with the Spirit as He's producing His fruit in you. It's about chasing a deeper dependence and a deeper trust in Christ and becoming practically who He has declared us to be, holy and righteous in Him. It's living from this new heart so that the world is no longer our treasure, no longer our passion, no longer our desire. Jesus is. Paul says, for that person, the one keeping in step with this new creation, having been crucified with Christ, peace and mercy upon you. He says, I'm not talking to you Judaizers. I'm not talking to you self-righteous. I'm not talking to you who think you're good or you put your confidence in the works that you're doing. I'm talking to you who have been born again and walk as this new creation. Peace and mercy is your possession. Because through the gospel, you are the people of God. He says, peace and mercy to you and, to, and upon the Israel of God. Paul actually coins this term, the Israel of God. It's not found anywhere else in scripture. But who's he talking about here? He means those who are of the new creation. They are the Israel of God. The NIV, if you have a new international version, it makes this a little clearer than the ESV does. It says, peace and mercy to you, the Israel of God. Some translations even have... Peace and mercy to you, even the Israel of God. Listen, the key question in the whole letter, what the whole letter's about, The Gentiles must be circumcised and made into Jews in order to be right with God and heirs to the covenant of Abraham. That's the whole point of the whole letter. In chapter 3, Paul said the Gentiles in Christ are the seed of Abraham. He said, Jesus is the true seed of Abraham. And if you are in Jesus, you are the true seed of Abraham. Galatians 3.29. In chapter 4, he told the Gentile Galatians that in Christ, you are the heirs with Isaac and not with Ishmael. Jesus Christ is the true Israel of God and everyone united to him is co-heir with him. Paul says the same thing in Ephesians 2. He says, at one time, you were Gentiles in your flesh, but now God has torn down the dividing wall and made both groups one in his flesh. Jesus said the same thing when he spoke to the Jews in John chapter 10. He said, I have other sheep, not of this fold. I must bring them, they'll hear my voice, and there will be one fold and one shepherd. That is what this means for you, church. Peace and mercy, because you are the people of God in Jesus Christ. You are the heirs of Abraham's covenant in Jesus Christ. That's the message of the whole letter. You've been given the fullness of God, righteousness and adoption in the gospel. So Paul's command for the church Summed up is simply this. Keep in step with who He's made you. Keep your trust and your boasting and your confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ alone and walk in step with the Spirit who's made you this new creation. Finally, at the end our last two verses in the letter, He says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. I think me and Paul are going to get along good in heaven because his last remark to them is, y'all quit messing with me. <laughs> Stop causing me trouble because I bear the marks of Jesus in my body. By the marks, I think he means persecution. I think Paul's saying, listen, Galatians, all this turmoil, you know, through this whole letter, he's been terse and to the point and he even confrontational several, several times in this, in this letter. I think he's saying all this turmoil, all of this stuff, because someone tells you that marking your body with circumcision is the way that you're right with God. You want to see some marks? I'll show you some marks. Paul had been beaten, stoned, persecuted to bring the gospel to these people, to Galatia. It was in Galatia that he was stoned and left for dead outside of the city. In 2 Corinthians 11, he said he'd received 40 lashes minus one five times. He'd been beaten with rods three times. He'd been stoned and left for dead once. Can you imagine what Paul's back looked like? He bore the marks of Jesus. He bore the marks of standing for the cross alone. He bore the marks that proved that his only boast was the cross alone. His only hope was the gospel alone. His only righteousness was Jesus Christ alone. He's shown that the cross is more important to him. Getting the cross, the message of the cross to the Galatians is more important to him than his comfort and his ease and self or even his religious observances, his works. These marks proved That Paul's only confidence was the cross of Christ and he was willing to suffer to bring this message to these people who were so quickly turning away from it. And Paul ends this with a wish of grace upon the believers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit, brothers. Amen. Verses 17 and 18 show us the substance of the disciple of Jesus The marks of Jesus on your life and the grace of Jesus in your spirit. What really matters at the end of this letter, what really matters that Paul is trying to get across to these Galatians, what really matters is not what you can do or what you can't do or what you have done or what you are doing or what you're able to do. It's not what you do on the outside. What matters is, have you been born again? Have you been made a new creature by faith in Jesus Christ on the inside? And yes, the evidence of that will be seen in your life. It will be seen as your heart desires Christ and follows Christ and obeys Christ's commandments. But at the very heart of the issue is, where do you find your worth, your identity, your values? Not your values, but your value. Where do you find that? Where do you find your purpose and your meaning? Where do you find who you are as as a person? Where do you find that center that tells you all the things about you? Is it in what you do? Is it in how you perform? Is it in your lack of performance? Are you struck down in despair in a hole when you don't do as good as you think you should or as good as the scripture says you should? Or are you prideful and boasting because, man, I'm really doing better than everybody else? Both of those are an abomination. We find our value, our identity, our righteousness, and all we are before God in the cross of Jesus Christ alone. In his death, his burial, his resurrection, that tells me who I am. That tells me whether I'm accepted before God or not, and it has nothing whatsoever to do with how great I'm doing or how terrible I'm doing today. On your best day, the best day you've ever lived for Jesus Christ, serving Him better than you ever have, on your best day best day you are nothing before God more than a sinner saved by grace and on your worst day when you failed in every possible conceivable way and it is just beating you down you are still a sinner saved perfectly by grace in Jesus Christ that's who we are that's what matters so today ask yourself the question have I been born again Have I trusted in Jesus Christ alone? Do I trust wholly, completely and fully that he paid it all as we sang earlier and that there is nothing more that I need to do or not do, be or not be for God to look at me when I stand before the judgment bar and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If it's up to me, There's no way God could be a truthful God and say, well done. But it's not up to me. Jesus is the good and faithful servant. And if I'm united in Jesus, his righteousness is mine. Are you united to Christ by faith? If not, I urge you, I urge you, trust in him. Trust in him. Give him your heart and life and you will be saved. And then Keep in step with what he is doing. Walk as the new creation that you are, and he will grow you in holiness. Be who he's made you to be. Give your heart and life to him. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the gospel. It is so, it is so simple to understand that a child can grasp it. And it's so deep that we will never plumb the depths of it no matter how long we live and study. God, you are so good to us. Help us to walk in who you've made us to be. Help us to go deeper in our dependence upon you, deeper in our trust of the gospel of Christ as my only righteousness. Help us to walk in the righteousness that you've given, knowing that we are yours, the people of God, your your adopted, redeemed children in the gospel and the gospel alone. And if there's anyone here that does not know you, that has been working their fingers to the bone, trying to be religious, trying to do the religious things, trying to be better, do better, work harder in order to be accepted by you, God. I pray that you would show them the futility and the helplessness and hopelessness of that and that you would draw them to the cross showing them that you have given the perfect sacrifice for sin and that true righteousness, true perfection before you only comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. God, help them to call out upon you and to trust in Jesus today. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna stand right down here at the front. If you wanna come, I'd love to pray with you. Most important thing, what really matters, trust in Jesus, walk as a new creation.